Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigaloff was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigaloff was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigaloff. Okay, so we're back after our 15 minutes of cursory IT setup to get this to work right and solve the bandwidth issues. Doc, you, you were talking about, so some background on the doc here. First of all, he's a he's an Army major. He's he's still in the service. He's still serving. He is dealing with, I guess, the word you would use is persecution. That's the word I would use. Um, and what he was trying to explain before we had the audio issues was, uh, Number one, he's been contacted by CID, which is Criminal Investigation Division within the Army and it's law enforcement investigative branch. And there's also counterintelligence side of the house. And there's a unit designated that goes along with that, but it won't mean anything to, to most of you. But suffice it to say, if the counterintelligence folks reach out and they're investigating you for anything, it means that they consider you a national security threat. And Correct. there's no basis for that whatsoever, at least in my mind. I did CI for a while, so I know exactly what, right. So I'm I'm just calling it out. So I'll I'll let you explain more about how all this occurred. And then let's talk about um, the vaccines or the shot. I don't want to call it a vaccine because it's not really a vaccine um, and get Mm -hmm. your take on that. Yeah, so the the reason they consider me an insider threat, which really the man who sent the email is the true insider threat because he put me on the CC line. This was an investigation that should I should have no knowledge of. Uh, because if I was a bad guy, then I'd be tipped off to them, because they, they also doesn't... It was either one of two things. They either did it intentionally to intimidate me, which would be considered tampering with a plaintiff in a federal case, and tampering with a witness in a federal case, and reprisal against a whistleblower, whistleblower or it's complete ineptitude, and they had no idea that they were doing it because they should not have sent it to me. Well, I reached out to them and tried to attend this meeting so that I can be as upfront and honest as I possibly can, because those agents, just as myself, all took an oath to defend the Constitution. And I want them to find the truth, not their truth. But the reason I'm in this situation is because back in September, uh, September 13th, to be exact, I was suspended from clinical practice. So I'm a major. I've been in practice now for 10 years. I came to Fort Huachuca to be the medical director. I was picked amongst peers that interviewed to be the medical director. I was the medical director for about a month, and I was suspended for allegedly not following the guidance that the Secretary of Defense published. His policy is what is binding and what is legal, and that didn't come out until the 14th of September. So the day after I was suspended was when his policy actually came out, and his policy was what was already on the books previously. And I was suspended for giving medical exemptions to service members that did not want to receive this gen- this gene therapy or genetic therapy. And and that's, so I'll say this from the aspect of uh, being a lieutenant colonel. Typically when you run into situations like this, it's command directed, for lack of a better word, it's command directed fear and intimidation. Essentially, the general officer comes down and says to the brigade commander, who was a 06, that this is what we're going to do, no exceptions. And it's an it's a very informal conversation. It's not a formal conversation, it's not written down anywhere. And that goes through all the ranks. Literally, it's a word-of-mouth conversation, goes all the way down. And for for 
Dr. Sigalov to be pulled out a day before the written policy was in place means that months prior to this, the command level staff was briefed that this is what we're going to do and we're going to deny as many medical exemptions as possible. That the reason why this is significant is twofold. Number one, it shows a clear intent by the command across the United States, not just Fort Huachuca, because this is not just happening in one place. This is happening across the United States. They literally are saying to senior officers, you either comply with this or we will, we will make your career dissipate and disappear. And they are doing it across the country. So uh, it's important to understand how that process works and how the informal network works, because it's way more potent than the formal network. The formal network is, is messy. It takes a lot of time. The UCMJ is involved. Sorry, the Uniform Code of Military Justice is involved. And since he's a field grade officer, it means that a general officer has to sign off on any disciplinary action and it has to go all the way up the chain of command up to a four star. It's not, it's not a trivial event for them to put him through this situation. And I, I'm a field grade as well. And as a field grade, I had a certain latitude in Article 15 punishment I could I could use. But when it came to UCMJ, there was a very rigid set of circumstances that I had to not only prove, but demonstrate that any action I was taking under UCMJ could be held up in a court of law. And it was a very thorough process. So where I'm going with this is the informal side of the House literally dictated the formal side of the house. And there's no basis for any of these charges, right? As a as a medical director, he has carte blanche, should have carte blanche, I should say, to make any medical decision he thinks is necessary for the fitness of the troops. Did I did I summarize that correctly? Because well, I think I got most of that. The the only slight little uh, caveat I would say is as a doctor to a soldier or to any person really, that relationship should be unencumbered which means I should not, it's, it's illegal to have my speech silenced in, in the clinic room, which it has been. I have a gag order against me that during the duty day and in uniform, which is why my podcast is called After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff, to make it abundantly clear to these people that I am after hours, um, that I, during the duty day and in uniform, I cannot speak about COVID-19 vaccine or virus at all whatsoever, which is, a, you know, obviously illegal military order because it has nothing to do with military service. Unless, of course, this is a bioweapon, then maybe it does have something to do with military service. Um, and so I was given out medical exemptions. And those medical exemptions were, I was given a direct order from, which I now consider an illegal order, and I wish I would have realized that at the time, uh, but I was given a direct order by the commander of the clinic here, who was a nurse, not a nurse practitioner, but a registered nurse, and she invalidated my medical exemptions based on the fact that she felt that they were not accurate. She she lacks the educational capacity to make that decision because she's making individual medical I'm decisions still, on individuals. Doc, I'm still back at a nurse counterman at a doctor's orders. I've never heard of that in my entire lifetime. How does that work? Right. Yeah. There's often there's people who are not medical professionals in charge of hospitals or clinics. That's common. But when you direct care, you have now entered a new realm of practicing medicine without a license. And we call that a felony. Obviously. And the FBI will kick your door down <laughs> if you do that. Go, go research it. You'll find plenty of places where the FBI has kicked doors down. So that's one instance of her practicing medicine. Another instance was on September 10th. She banned the off-label use of ivermectin. 
So she essentially wrote a, a military order using her military status to make a medical decision on patients that prevents me from prescribing the medication, even though it was still a TRICARE covered benefit at the time, meaning Congress said, hey, this is something we're going to pay for. She went above and beyond Congress and said, I'm not going to allow that to happen. And that prevents, and, and on September 20th, uh, TRICARE stopped paying for ivermectin, but TRICARE doesn't practice medicine. Doctors do. And if I write a hand script and I give it to the patient, they can go to an off-post uh, pharmacy and pay for themselves. But what this order does is it puts me in a unique position where if I had still been in practice for any reasonable amount of time, I would have to have been disobeying a, a lawful, a you know, well, disobeying an unlawful order because she's practicing medicine without a license, which is, again, another felony. And then on September 16th, she made herself the um, sole approval authority for all temporary medical exemptions, which is making medical decisions, again, another instance of her practicing medicine without a license. How many, how many soldiers are we talking about? So you can see here? why they might think I'm the... Uh, well, I, I've never given a an definite number, but it's, it's you know, in the tens to thirties number of soldiers. So, so let's just say it's a, it's a round number of 50 soldiers. That's a significant amount of soldiers for one base to request medical exemptions. And so if they're denied a medical well, one of these soldiers. To... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I was, I was just going to say for, for any medical exemption, when you say temporary, it's temporary as in fixed duration or days. at some point they have to. Pro okay. So you get a one year exemption per the military. Then after that, you either process out or you get, um, you get the, the shot involuntarily or even repeat the temporary it doesn't say you can't have okay. repeated temporaries well they're making it hard to do that i mean the, the whole point of this is deny is to deny those right and they pushed a nurse to do it which it, to me is cowardice but that's a whole different story well let's where are you at now where, where are you at in that process now what's next for you because i think everybody's going to want to know what that is and what that well, was suspended like. and they they had a uh, credentials meeting. They came up with some some proposed restrictions for me. I appealed that. That was January seventh, and then now my entire packet and re and investigation, and everything moved to another duty station. And they had another credentials meeting on me, even though I already had due process in process. And they gave much more harsh restrictions, and so I've appealed that. Uh, during that time, also, I have been investigated at my last duty station, where they're saying I'm incompetent. They inter they did not interview a single patient of mine. They did not work, interview my uh, medical assistant that worked closely with me in direct patient care for two years. They didn't interview a doctor that I worked with and knew for three years, and they did not interview a doctor that I worked with and knew for eight years. Clearly a sham review. Yeah, I would say so. On the sur just, just hearing that on the surface. And for, for, for you non-military types, let me explain how this process works. So... Any disciplinary action that's issued to you, you have the option to appeal it. And they're supposed to go through due process, meaning interview people that have worked with you, interview witnesses, just like a regular criminal investigation, and then come up with recommended actions, which a commander or a judge will take into account when they issue these restrictions, right? None of this, none of this happens by an individual. It all goes through his commander, his, his, who's the ultimate um, authority for what disciplinary action takes place. 
And he also has the option to do what's called the inspector general. Now, the IG is a hit and miss thing because the IG could side with the command or it could side with the soldier. It just depends on how egregious the situation is. In this case, given the fact that they didn't interview anybody, that to me sounds like an IG investigation waiting to happen. But that process takes a significant amount of time. It's not a zero-sum deal. And in the meantime, he's cool in his heels doing, what, casual duty somewhere? I'm sh I'm assuming that's what I'm, it is. I'm editing Word documents and making Excel, Excel spreadsheets in the basement. That sounds really exciting. That means they have nothing for you to do, and they want they're they're literally this is the tactic the command uses to drive people out. That's what it is. Wow. Well, Doc, I'm sorry and, you're going through that. And everything that. you said I, is. I I got to commend the bravery, though. Yeah. And well, thank you. And, and everything that. you said about the military side of investigations is correct, except this is this is a different beast. This is not a military investigation. This is part of quality assurance, and that's under 10 U.S.C. 1102, so it's different rules and regulations, and there is lots of protection for people to lie, to cheat, to steal, to do all these terrible things against me. Wow. Quality assurance? This isn't a command level? Wow. This, gets, this story gets better and better every time I hear it. It's amazing. Wow. It's, it's just, I, I mean, I've been through 15, six yeah. investigations. I've had my Miranda rights read to me for crypto being lost. Uh, you name it. I mean, wow. you cannot go through your career without having your Miranda rights read to you at least once. It's just the nature of being in command. But wow, th this, this is a whole new level. So uh, quality assurance, is that a medical thing or is that, is that, it's a federal I, I don't level even know what part of the military national. that is. It, it's not military. It's This is that conglomeration part where the military and medicine come together. Uh, and this is this is the unique part where commanders think they that. can do what doctors do, and they can't. Just never. like JAG commanders can't tell a specific lawyer how to practice wow. law. No other doctor can tell another doctor how to practice medicine. I mean, we have you know certain things that we say, yeah, that's bad. You hurt somebody? Okay. But there's other things like if it's a style point or if it's direct patient care stuff, a lot of it is that that's... That's unique and individual. Wow. Quality assurance. They, they brought in somebody from outside the military. That is the word I would use in the infantry world and in the armor world is chicken shit. That's what that is. So I'm is just going to throw that, that out. Well, uh, let's. Uh, and they're clearly trying to let's transition. Me, but it's. Oh, absolutely. Easier. That's what this is all about. That's the whole game, right? So let's transition off of this because I, I, you and I had a very interesting conversation prior to this about the vaccines. And, and I want to get your take on why the vaccines are. I know what my opinion is on why the vaccines are bad, but I want to hear your clinical opinion of why these vaccines are bad. Well, my clinical opinion has recently changed. I used to say, you know, if you're not a child, if you're not a woman um, that's pregnant or breastfeeding and you're adequately consented, which I caveat that with, I have never in my life met an adult that's been adequately consented because they don't know the things that I've told them before, uh, then fine, go ahead, whatever. I have since then changed my opinion on that drastically, and I don't think any human on the face of the earth, especially those that defend our freedom, should even be allowed to get this. And if you look at my podcast episode number 33, I go in-depth, it's an hour long, and I explain how I believe the lipid nanoparticle, or LNP, lipid nanoparticle, is the bioweapon developed by China, and they're trying to get it into our soldiers. And, and I, I posted that to my channel as well as Truth. 
you can find that in either one of those streams and, and I'll repost it after this. So it's, it's in the, and I'll pin it so that it's, it's easily accessible. I suggest everybody listen to this because it, I was riveted for an hour and then I was scared, scared shitless after I heard this because it was information. It's, so we've been for the last two years, you've heard spike proteins, you've heard graphene oxide, you've heard a number of different things, but I think this is probably closer to the mark because it makes a lot of sense. And that at least let's, let's give a, a quick overview of why the, the nanoparticle is so dangerous. Well, in my declaration that I made to Senator Ron Johnson in his office, I talk about a patent that I found from 2014. That talked, it didn't use the term lipid nanoparticle because I don't think that was part of the nomenclature or the words that we used at that time. But it talked about long-chain carbons, which is basically the same as the lipid nanoparticle. And it talks about how it suppressed the immune system. Okay, well, we're seeing a rise in cancers. That's what you get when you suppress the immune system and when you activate sp specific cancer genes. It also talked about how they had this problem with disseminated intravascular coagulation, or DIC. That's clots throughout your body. We're seeing that problem also. I also mentioned um, in my... Um, I can't talk about lawsuits against the military, so I'm going to be very careful if I say this. But my medical exemption later bloomed into an affidavit, um, which makes me a witness in a federal case, and that federal case is uh, Robert V. Austin. But I'm not going to talk about my affidavit. I'm going to talk about my medical exemption. They're the same document. Okay. In 27, December of 2017, they patented the chemicals DSPC and DSPE, lipid nanoparticles, to specifically take medications through the blood-brain barrier and into the brain. So your body has these areas that it compartments off to keep things from getting in. The brain is one of those areas. You know, these very tight junctions in between all the cells, in between the vasculature and, and the brain, so that things that are in the, the blood don't get into the brain where they shouldn't be. Well, this, and it's in Moderna, and it's in Pfizer, and it was patented to take it through that barrier. So when they told us that it went in the arm, and it's supposed to stay in the arm, they were lying because they put that chemical in there on purpose to get it into your brain. You know, that's a that's the third or fourth time I've 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 heard that because I've listened to your your episode probably three times now, and every time I hear it, it just makes me shake Thank my you. head. And why? What I learned today. Why is it so? Is even, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I'll, I'll ask this in a second. Well, what I learned today is I, no, I go I'm going to be publishing this episode maybe in a week or two, but it's a uh, James or Jim Thorpe, and he's a. Uh, maternal fetal medicine. So he specializes in, in mothers that are expected or will have problems in pregnancy. And he talks about how this specifically targets ovaries. And I think it was like 120% increase in the ovary within 48 hours. And the line just kept going up, but they stopped the study. So we don't know how much actually goes in the ovaries. Now that doesn't just hurt the mom because by the time the fetus, the baby inside is at 30 weeks. That baby, if it's a girl, has all the ovum or the eggs that she will ever have in her life. It will go to those eggs also. If you want to destroy an, your enemy, how do you do it without fighting them? You make them to where they're not there. And then you don't even have to fire a bullet. Because they'll die. And any of their children that survive will be unable to have children. It's, it, 
in a tragic, disgusting, horrible, horrific sense, it's a beautiful weapon because then you don't have to fire any bullets. You have people lined up to throw themselves into these Auschwitz showers of the shot, thinking they're doing something well, good, killing themselves, killing their children. Well, how do you explain the the uh, the transfer of some of the symptoms to family members who haven't been inoculated? How does that work? Now, that's interesting. Um, there seems to be shedding. And they, you know, we, we thought that they were shedding spike proteins. But if you listen to that episode 33, the bioweapon, someone actually took that RNA that was submitted to the FDA. And, and I have to tell you that mRNA does not stand for messenger. It stands for modified, meaning this is a different nucleic acid and one that's not found in nature and your body cannot break it down. And we don't know how long it stays in your body. But that mod RNA does not actually encode for an entire spike protein. So their whole premise that, oh, you're going to make spike protein, now you'll, be, you'll, you'll be immune to it. it. There is not a spike protein that's encoded in there. There's pieces of it, but there is not an entire one. Wow. So here's where, I, here's where my brain stops, because you're thinking through, this is a Chinese weapon. What I'm thinking through, there's Americans that helped them develop this weapon. There's Americans that have spent enormous amounts of money to push this weapon across the planet. Because this is not just here, right? This is this is being pushed everywhere except for China, as far as we know. And that if you go to China and you have this vaccine, they will not let you in the country if you're a Chinese national. Interesting, isn't it? Well, it tells me that this was specifically released by the Chinese through proxies, which Fauci would be a proxy Obama would be a proxy. And and I can make the inference here because I've been talking about this for the better part of two years now. The way the Chinese operate is they use proxies to do everything for plausible deniability. But this was in Wuhan, China. So the Chinese are complicit in this. And what's what's interesting here is the fact that I, my brain stops at there's Americans that are pushing this on other Americans. They have to know that this is going to affect them as well as, as any American. If they're, let's just say devil's advocate for a second here, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Doc. But devil's advocate is if you're shedding this and you're around people that are vaccinated and you're unvaccinated, you're, gonna, you're going to have some of this in your body regardless of what you do if you're in close proximity to other people that are vaccinated. And I, I say this because my own kid is exhibiting... Um, uh, she's let's just put this away. There's there's autoimmune issues now. There are there are uh, pregnancy issues. There's ovary issues, and I know my kid hasn't been inoculated, but her her significant other has. So the question becomes: If you're let's just say you're Nancy Pelosi or somebody in the Congress that is not an, is not inoculated, if you're around anybody that's got the vaccine, guess what? You're getting it, too. And I'm sure I have it in my system as well, given the fact that um, one of my kids is fully boosted. She's She's got two shots or three shots now. So the question becomes, does everybody have it? And if, if not, how well, soon will this transfer to other right. people? How long do you think that'll take, right? Is it generational? Is it well, is it within a, a specific time are. frame? I know I'm spitballing here. Yeah, no, these are great questions. And what that white paper that I talked about in Bioweapon Part 1, Episode 33, is that 
if CRISPR is in there, which they found CRISPR encoded in the RNA, and CRISPR is Frankenstein technology, there's no other way to state it, what it does is it goes into your DNA, and it cuts out what they programmed it to cut out, and it pastes in what they programmed it to paste in to your DNA, to your chromosomes. So this thing about it not changing your DNA, well, we already know it does it in a test tube, but when they uncoded that RNA and figured out what proteins it makes, it makes gene editing software programs, not software, hardware, proteins. And, it, and they have the specific location where to go. It's called guiding RNA or gRNA, and they found three strands of gRNA. And what this paper says is that within 12 to 15 generations, no matter if you had it in your and let's say your kids didn't get it and their kids didn't get it, it doesn't matter. By 12 to 15 generations, this synthetic DNA strand will be in every living human on the face of the earth. Wow. So that way, and that begs another question. So the other question is, you were talking about how it affects the ovaries. Does that result in stillbirths? Does that does that um, does that result in sterility for anybody who gets the shot now or the booster? And is it the first shots? Is it all the shots? Is it one shot? How many shots does it take for this to show up in the ovaries in such a a huge number? Is it just one shot or is it all three? Well, so so if you damage the ovaries and, and destroy them, you won't get pregnant. Now, if you destroy other structures in the body, you may not hold a pregnancy. You may keep having recurrent losses. Um, the numbers, it, it looks like, and, you know, don't quote me on this 100%, but it's somewhere in the, like, 82% risk of pregnancy loss if you have it in the first two tri if you get the shot in the first two trimesters. Wow. I mean, yay, we, we got rid of Roe versus Wade, but we're having people line up to take this that will kill their children. What about uh, if they've gotten the shot, say they're a year past getting the shot and they get pregnant or are they just not going to get pregnant if they get the shot? I mean, they, so many questions. I can't say they won't this. because I'm that's kind of spit. Right. And so much of it is speculating because God also made an amazing machine that's able to overcome so much. And and that's what I really want to focus on more is is the hope side of this, because I've given a lot of doom and gloom. And instead of being depressed, I want people to be motivated <laughs> to demand Nuremberg-style trials for these people, for like Fauci. He needs, he needs to be tried for what he's done. He's already admitted to lying in front of Congress. He, now, yeah, things that he can help to, you. Well, Fauci needs to be executed for treason is what he needs to, what, that's what needs to happen, right? So, well, that's, and that's these the are unusual circumstances. Well, I, where I was, so where how I'm do we get our machine? Is, no, go ahead, Doc. Just continue. I'll stop talking. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, but I, I truly want to leave some hope for, for your listeners because everything I've said is doom and gloom and it sounds awful, right? Um, and it's, we don't want to fall into that trap. You know, as a doctor, it's not my place to take hope or to, to give you false hope. It's my job to give you reality and, and encourage you to look at the good side. And the good side is no matter what kind of machine you have, if you put the best fuel into that machine, you're going to have peak performance. So what is the best fuel? Carnivore. So that's eating animal products only. I've seen amazing results with patients. I've seen two patients get rid of their rheumatoid arthritis symptoms. Two patients get rid of all of their symptoms and stop all their medications for diabetes. Uh, I've seen people treat their stress, anxiety, their back pain, their knee pain by getting the plants out of their food because they're inflammatory. Plants are inflammatory. I've got a few episodes on that. 
So first by putting the right fuel in so that you're not fighting against more things. And the best possible fuel is, is animal foods. It's not high protein, it's high fat, moderate protein. If you can't do that, okay, we'll have some carbs. Okay, if you can't do that, cut the junk food out. At bare minimum, cut the junk food out. And then if you cut the junk food out, try and get some of the vegetables out. Fruit's okay. Fruit is, pumpkins are fruit. Tomatoes are fruit. Cucumbers, anything with a seed in it or on it is a fruit. The plants want you to eat those, so that's okay. And that sounds crazy when I say that, but you listen to more of my episodes about chewing the fat, any title that has chewing the fat in it, you'll understand better. What have humans eaten for thousands of years? What's the only food source available on every continent that humans live on in every season? Animals. So put the right fuel in Absolutely. Go to truthforhealth.org. That's truth, the, no, the, the word for, F-O-R, health.org. That's Dr. Lee Valite. And she has treatment protocols for long COVID, which are very similar to um, injury from the vaccine. And she's got lists of doctors there that can help you with that. She also has, has information on chlorine dioxide. Now, as a physician wanting to maintain my license, the FDA doesn't like us talking about chlorine dioxide. So I will neither suggest you take it or suggest you don't take it. I suggest you learn about it and understand it. And just the fact that, that I could lose my license because the FDA doesn't want me talking about it should make you want to go, hmm, maybe there's something there. Yeah. And Jordan Sather has has a he's got a whole site where he sells it. So if you want to get if you want to get a hold of it, that there's a good source there, as well as Laetril. Laetril is another one that they don't want you to talk about. There's there's a host of my see. I learned a lot when my brother went through cancer. He he dealt with pretty much every single treatment that the FDA and the and the AMA didn't want him to to try. Right. We went to to Tijuana of all places and went to. A place called the Hoxie Clinic, and and you got to picture this, Doc, because only only God could put <laughs> us in a place like this, right? So, we drive through Tijuana, which is which is it's probably the dirtiest, skankiest place on the planet. But then you drive into this compound, and it's an oasis, and it was the most amazing experience I have ever been. It's like you drive through this gate, and instantly you're calm. You meet, you're met by two uh, nuns when you walk in the door and they escort you back to meet the doctor. The doctor talks about the Hoxie Clinic and then they escorted me into a waiting room, right? And there's like, I don't know, 60 people in there. And, uh, you know, it's couples. And right next to me was a 12-year-old girl. And I looked over and I said, what are you in for? And she said, I have sarcoma. I go, my brother's got sarcoma. She goes, I have a really aggressive sarcoma. I go, what's a really aggressive sarcoma? She goes, I've had three surgeries just in the last year. My parents said enough. And I said, are you going to take the tonic? She goes, yeah, I'm going to take the tonic. She goes, I've actually already been on it for six months and all my cancer's in remission. And it, the most amazing, but I, you can't, you can't explain that to anybody else except for somebody who's right. been through it. Right. But right. I, you're right. It sounds that like works in funny oil. ways. And it it does, but it. My brother had fifty five tumors when he started, wow. and when we came back from Hoxie, and he was taking the Hoxie tonic for, I don't know, six months, he was down to twelve tumors, and he wow. was doing hyperbaric medicine at the same time, which shrunk all of them except for one, down to nothing, and it was that one tumor that got him, and it was in his lower back and his L one, and they couldn't take it out, so he was. He was doomed, but it prolonged his life long enough. Yeah. So you take what you, you can get, what you, right? What God, 
what you on, on earth to do to, to learn to teach yeah to build relationships and and another yeah. success story is so, i just put an episode out on sunday with todd calendar and he talks about chlorine dioxide briefly and how it cured his bladder cancer which is incredible wow, wow. yeah it is well i i know we've we've talked quite a bit but I want to I want to um, do two things before before we end this. Number one, how do people get a hold of you? How do they how do they find you on Rumble? Okay, so go to Rumble, search channels, uh, look for um, After Hours with Doctor Sigloff. Go to iTunes, look same things are put up there. There's more episodes there because I started doing audio first. But After Hours with Doctor Sigloff. Um, one other thing that I do want to mention, and I, I'm kind of embarrassed to mention this, but um, it is important to my wife. She has set up a GoFundMe. And, and the reason she set up a GoFundMe is because my future employment may be bleak as I may lose my Texas license through all of this because I'm also under investigation in Texas uh, through, for my licensure. And she obviously has concerns about financial sec- security in the future. So she has set up a Give, Send, Go. And if you look, search in Sigoloff, S-I-G-O-L-O-F-F, as in Foxtrot, Foxtrot, You'll find our page there, and, and we're, she's humbly asking for any donations because we've already, I've already spent about thirty thousand or so in lawyers' fees to help defend myself against something that, you know, speaking the truth, you shouldn't have to defend yourself in this manner. Agree, and Doc, I'll post those in the uh, in the links in the channel when I post this video, as well as if if folks have a, have questions for you, should they be posting comments to the Rumble channel? Is it is there a direct way to get a hold That's- of you? I mean, how do you want to handle questions? Because I get is barraged with questions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, best I'll way is email. The channel. Um, so it's 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 listed in all the show notes of every episode that I've done, I believe, if not every, almost every. Uh, but it's after hours at one seven nine one dot com. That's after hours at seventeen ninety one dot com, and that's the year the Bill of Rights was ratified. Awesome. Hey, uh, Doc. Any final thoughts for the audience? Together we can all make courage more contagious than fear. That's a great way to end it. Well, Doc, I appreciate it. We'll we'll definitely do this again. I I, I my ask is we figure out a, a half an hour, forty five minutes every month to check in on where sure. you're at and what you're doing, and um, updates on on what uh, what's going on with your situation because I think the audience is going to want to know. Well, I know they are, and they're going to ask so. Um, let's plan on somewhere around the second week of September and we'll do this Sounds again. Good. I love it. Thank you so right, much. Doc. I truly appreciate, appreciate this. This is, thank no, you. It's my, the honor was mine, my friend, because it's, it's very, no, very you. seldom that we get to meet a, a warrior that's in the fight, that's standing up to the system and we'll support you any way we can. So appreciate your time. Thank you, sir.